It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. I am your host, Hayden Grove, joined, as always, by our Cavaliers beat reporter, Chris Fedor. And if you're wondering why I might be a little quiet today, um, it is because I am I am broadcasting from inside of the Browns headquarters here in Berea. So Ooh. we're doing kind of a cross-post podcast here. Um, Cavs podcast, but doing it from a uh, Browns location. But there, I, I also got some exciting news. We both did. All of us did. The entire Cavs community did. Um this morning uh, in Berea, uh, when I was in Berea, I should say, um, October 2nd, the Cavaliers will host their media day this year. So the season quickly approaching. We're about three weeks away from that point. Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, October 2nd. Um, Chris, I mean, the season is almost here and, and we got media day coming up and it just seems like the soft season has flown by. I'm going to ask you a question. Yep. Um, because, you know, Every time a season ends and then you take an off season, you recharge, you kind of think about what you're going to um, try and attack in terms of stories going into the next season. And going into last year's media day, the story was simple, right? It was Donovan Mitchell, his arrival, Mm -hmm. how that changed the Cavs. Could they make the playoffs for the first time without LeBron James? I'm curious as we go into this media day, what do you think is the main storyline with the Cavs? Um, so you're you're telling me to do your job for you is what you're telling me to do. No, I'm I'm curious <laughs> what you think it is. I know what I think it is. Oh, okay. okay. And I already have a list of questions prepared um, because I'm okay. crazy like that. But I'm curious what you think it is. Do you want my honest opinion? I think you do. Yeah, of I would, course. That, that's why you would ask the question. Yeah. I think the story is, what is this Cavs team made of? Like, what, did, did they address the metal? Did they address that um, lack of toughness? You know, are they going to kind of, have they figured that out yet? Or is that something they'll figure out during the season? I think that's it. Um, but I could see that there, there are definitely other big storylines. Just for me personally, I think yeah. that would be it. Just like, you know, we saw with this Cavs team, we saw them fizzle out. We saw them get pummeled by a really, really poor, or excuse me, a really, really good Knicks team that we thought the Cavs were going to be better than. So yep. did, did they did they spend this offseason? Did they, you know, what did they do this offseason to get themselves more mentally tough? What did they do this mm. offseason to get themselves more, um, more tough in general uh, to face a team like the Knicks? So for me, that would be it. But I understand that there certainly are more storylines, you know, how are Max Struess and, and George mm-hmm. Niang and, and the shooter is going to play? How is that going to affect this team? Um, 
you know, how are, how is Darius Garland and Evan Mobley? Are they going to take another step? Um, is Donovan Mitchell going to take another step? Is Jared Allen going to take a step? There's a lot of different kind of storylines going into the yeah. year, but I think the main one for me would be, you know, how did, how did this team get tougher and did they get tougher this offseason? That's interesting. I think for me, Hayden, it's, is this young team ready to take the step that so many people are expecting them to take, right? Because going from bad to good in the NBA, that's easy. Teams do that all the time. It takes patience. It takes the right drafting. It takes the right trades. It takes the right free agency signings, but it happens, right? Going from good to great, that is a very, very difficult step. And I'm just curious to see, like, have the Cavs raised their ceiling enough? And what does the next step for this organization look like? Because, again, when you acquire Donovan Mitchell last offseason, the way that the Cavs did and give up all of the assets that they gave up to get Donovan, it wasn't about avoiding the play-in tournament. It was about getting to the playoffs for sure and hopefully winning a first-round series. Now, it didn't happen. They did avoid the play-in tournament. They did get to the playoffs, but they did not win that first-round series. So for them, so much of the judgment now is going to be about what happens in the playoffs. So how does this organization prepare themselves during the regular season to take that critical step? And that's a very, very difficult step to take in the NBA. That's a very difficult step to take in any sport, Hayden. And that, to me is what I'm going to be following throughout the course of the year. Because we know they're good, right? They won 51 games last year. It's the most wins that they had um, in nearly a decade. Uh, They were one of three teams in the NBA, both top 10 in offense and defense. Um, Donovan Mitchell had a career year. Um, Evan Mobley was first team all defense. Like there were things that they accomplished in the regular season that they deserve credit for. And they took that necessary step. But now it's about taking that next one. And it's about finding out how good they can be. And I think that is something that I'm going to follow. And I think that is something that people inside the organization are actually wondering right now. Just how high is their ceiling? I think weirdly, Chris, not weirdly at all, actually. I think that we might our points are tied together, if that makes any sense. Because Mm -hmm. I think... That is what's what it's going to take for the Cavs to um, that toughness, that kind of next level and that mental toughness is what's going to take them from, you know, the, from being good to great. I, I think in my estimation, yes, like adding shooting will help that, too, and adding, you know, some good pieces. But I think that that next level it comes internally. Um you know, does Donovan Mitchell have a next level? Does Darius Garland have a next mm-hmm. level? Does Evan Mobley have a next level? So I think that's kind of tied into your point of saying, how do they get from great to or good to great? And I think for me, it's definitely that um, that mental toughness and, and what they didn't exhibit in the postseason last year. So um, for all those things, I think that uh, our, our points are very, very similar. The one thing that you know coming into this year, Hayden, or the one thing that you think you know, is that this team's going to be pissed um yeah. Darius yep. talked about how long it took him to get over that first round playoff loss he talked about how many times he has watched that series repeatedly 
Um, Donovan Mitchell did not perform up to his expectations in that series against the Knicks. And the last time he had a playoff performance like that, it was the year before against the Dallas Mavericks, ironically, against Jalen Brunson. And he talked about how it haunted him the entire offseason. And it fueled what we saw last year with Donovan, at least in part what we saw last year with Donovan, which was a career year. And these guys feel like every single one of them, these guys feel like they did not give their best shot to the Knicks. And they lament that. And J.B. Bickerstaff talked about all of the lessons that he learned and how it was the the greatest experience of his entire coaching career going through that and suffering that loss. So they are going to be motivated. They are going to be pissed. And they have a lot of fuel coming off the way that their season ended. The regular season was successful, but it was a wildly disappointing finish. And I'm curious, again, how that motivation, how that fuel is going to manifest itself, especially early on in the season. Because this isn't a team, you know, there are teams in the NBA, Hayden, that when they accomplish something, they kind of coast throughout the regular season and look at the regular season as, oh, it doesn't matter all that much. I think the Cavs have a different feeling. They haven't accomplished anything, really. They haven't accomplished enough to have that laissez-faire attitude. And I think that is really going to fuel them in the beginning of the season. And I think it's going to lead to a fast and productive start. Yeah, no, I, I agree totally. And it'll be very interesting to hear what, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of more, it's funny. I'm kind of usually when you're, um, usually when you're a media day, you're kind of focused on the new guys and, and what, you mm-hmm. know, what they're going to bring and, and asking them questions. But I think with, with this current Browns or the current Cavs team, I think, that I'm more focused on the the guys that have been there. You know, what did, like I said, yep. what did they do this offseason? How right. did they watch the games? Did they, you know, spend extra time? I mean, that's why that's are exactly. they better than the team that showed up in that series yep. against the Knicks? Yep. How are they better? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So we'll get the chance on October 2nd to to definitely talk to most, if not all of those guys. And uh and it'll be uh exciting to get the season underway yet again. Um, but there will be a familiar face uh at the uh, <laughs> at the uh, Rock and Mortgage Field House. Um, Tristan Thompson, a large part of Cleveland's championship run and a large part of Cleveland's four finals, consecutive finals runs, um, will be entering his 10th season for the Cavaliers this year. And uh, we talked a lot about that extra roster spot, Chris, and um, or that last roster spot and, you know, what they were going to do with it. And I think I, I mean, I you know I love Tristan. I think he brings exactly what you know Cleveland's all about. You know, not necessarily the the, the star power, not necessarily the um, you know, not necessarily the, the the guy that's looked at most in the court. But he's always contributing to winning. He's working hard. He's he's um, you know kind of under the radar, but always doing the hard stuff and and being physical and tough. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the Cavaliers desperately needed that in the playoffs. But I think he also now he's not going to he's not going to play much. We know that, you know, he's <laughs> not in his playing prime. Um, but I think he will play kind of a, a, a Robin Lopez role and maybe more of a leadership role than maybe even Robin had um, with this Cavaliers team. So I love the move. I think it I think it's perfect for that position on the roster. Texted somebody. Inside the organization, I'm not going to say who or what branch of the organization they're from. And I just asked about the Tristan Thompson signing. And their response was, can't be worse on the court than Robin was. 
And I mean, they're not, you're right, Hayden. They're not looking for a lot from that position. They have Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. Those guys are going to play somewhere between 34 and 38 minutes a night. They added George Niang. He can play the four and the five. They have Damian Jones, somebody that the Cavs like. He's a former first-round pick. Really hasn't found his footing in the NBA. But if one of your big guys gets in foul trouble, you've got Damian Jones. He can step in. He can give you like 10 to 15 minutes a night if he has to. So I think everybody understands what this signing of Tristan Thompson is all about. It's not about what he brings on the court. But he should be able to give more than what Robin Lopez did on the court if that's the direction that the Cavs have to go because of injury, because of foul trouble, because of a specific matchup or something along those lines. But Tristan's here because he's got a great relationship with Darius Garland. He connects well with young players because he's a champion, because he's been in close to 100 postseason games because he's a trusted voice in the locker room, because he's got leadership capabilities that were lacking at times um, over the last couple of years. Every single time that J.B. Bickerstaff has had an opportunity to add the final piece of the roster, Hayden, he has chosen one of these kinds of guys, a locker room lieutenant who is going to be able to um, provide a voice, provide some stability behind the scenes, provide some leadership, bring some experience. Tristan has seen things that these guys haven't seen. He has been through things that these guys haven't been through. He has felt things that these guys haven't felt. He has dealt with things that these guys haven't dealt with. And he is a true professional. And that attitude and that leadership and setting the tone on a daily basis with somebody like that who's going to understand his role. He's not going to complain about minutes. All of those guys that the Cavs have had in the past, Ed Davis, Robin Lopez, and now Tristan Thompson, have brought value a different kind of way. And it's not about what they bring on the court. Yeah, it's it's uh, kind of like the James Jones role is what I yeah. call it. I think James Jones was perfect. So he, could, at that. he could play and he could knock down threes in a pinch if he needed to. Yeah, but that idea. To. Yes, that idea. And, and again, now I think James Jones running the Phoenix Suns. Is that right? Um, yep. So a, again, a, a definitely a, a leader in, in the locker room and a, a very, very smart guy and a guy well-respected, well-trusted. And uh, that's exactly what Tristan Thompson's brought to Cleveland to be. So you're right. I mean, you know, they're not expecting anything on the court from him. Um and I wouldn't think that fans would expect anything on the court from him, but I think it does affect the fans. I think, you know, based on what I've seen from our social, you know, our social accounts and whatnot, I mean, the Tristan news, it kind of blew up and everybody was really excited <laughs> about it because again, he is kind of a nostalgic piece to this Cavs puzzle, but also, sure. you know, he is well-respected and he is well-beloved within this, uh, within this area and within that organization. And his contract has a partial guarantee. Um, It'll become fully guaranteed if he's with the team beyond January 10th. Um, I would think that he's somebody that they're going to keep on this roster um, for the remainder of this season. I would think that they want to keep the relationship with Rich Paul and Clutch Sports. And mm -hmm. Darius and Tristan are very, very close. And the first time Tristan was here, he took Darius under his wing. When Tristan went to Boston, he was still texting Darius with advice and stuff like that. So having somebody in that locker room um, is going to be valuable, and I would find it hard to believe that the Cavs wouldn't fully guarantee his contract. But 
just so everybody is clear, this is a partial guaranteed contract. So it's not like, you know, the Cavs are breaking the bank or something like that to bring in Tristan Thompson. And he's essentially the last roster spot. They technically still have one open roster spot, but they're about a million away from the luxury tax. They do not want to go into the luxury tax and they're fine keeping the quote unquote final roster spot open um, for as long as they need to. So, you know, that's where we are in terms of the salary ramifications of bringing back Tristan Thompson. Right. I don't think anybody, you know, again, (laughs) from what I've seen, the only thing that people are kind of saying is like, oh, you know, why would you bring it back back a guy that's kind of washed up? And it's like, yeah, well, again, it's it's not because he's washed up. They didn't bring him back because he's washed up. They brought him back because he does have value in that locker. Of course. Right. And he you know, he has value in in how he works and and the way that he's done things and the way that he's seen things. So um, I don't think there really is a downside. I mean, I, I don't see one. Do you? No, and Hayden, that's what they were weighing, right? That's what JB, Kobe, Mike Ganzi, all the guys in the organization that are the primary decision makers, that's what they were weighing. They were saying to themselves, do we use the penultimate roster spot on a young player with some upside that we may or may not get from something um, throughout the course of this year? Like, there are guys out there that fit that particular profile. Like, it's an upside swing. Um, or do they use the final roster spot on an Ed Davis type, a Robin Lopez type, Tristan Thompson type in this case, and focus more on the value behind the scenes? And, and that's something that they were weighing throughout the course of this offseason. And they decided that they had enough, quote unquote, playable bodies. Um, they had enough young guys on this roster. It was about trying to find somebody that could do those other things um, that could bring those other things. So they did talk about the possibility of signing like a younger player, somebody who maybe could give a little bit more on the court than what fans think Tristan can at this point in time. But they prioritize those other things. And I don't blame them for prioritizing those other things, because I think those are important when it comes to team chemistry, continuity and building a roster up. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Chris, we've talked for a while now about, you know, kind of the f- finalizing this roster, and it seems like we're there. Um, yeah. You know, this is not going to be our season preview podcast. Um, I think that'll come in the next couple of weeks. Right. Um, before the before media day. Um, so I don't want to dive too much into things furthermore, but like it seems like the Cavaliers are set like r- really this time. Like, I don't think there's a big we've kind of set it. You know, the editors and Thompson, like, I don't think I think the roster is what it is at this point. And I don't think that, uh, you know, there are any big moves to be made furthermore. So when you look at this roster at the moment, I mean, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on the finality of it? What are your thoughts on on how it looks? What are your thoughts on the offseason as a whole? Tough to have this conversation without the looming cloud of Ricky Rubio, right? I was on a podcast earlier today. And we were talking about the questions with the Cavs roster makeup and um, some of the questions that I had with 
with where this team can go this season. And look, it's the backup point guard spot. And the Cavs, theoretically, they could stagger Darius and Donovan Mitchell. And they could have Darius run the second unit. Or they could have Donovan run the second unit. Or at times, in a pinch, they could have Karis LeVert do that. Or maybe Ty Jerome, who played on a two-way contract with the Golden State Warriors last year. Somebody that the Cavs liked when he came into the draft in 2019. Somebody that Kobe Altman has known for about a decade now and has been on the Cavs' radar for a while now. Maybe he's ready for a bigger role. Maybe he's ready to be a backup point guard in the NBA as opposed to a third guard in the NBA. Maybe. But um, so there are like options that the Cavs have to fill that spot if the worst case scenario happens with Ricky. But backup point guard's a big deal. This Cavs bench was one of the worst benches in the entire NBA last year. Mm -hmm. Um, It was completely outplayed in the first round series against the Knicks. It was a huge advantage for New York. So the Cavs at one point were thinking to themselves, we're going to have Ricky. We're going to have a better version of Ricky. That's going to stabilize our second unit. That's going to boost our bench scoring. Maybe we're not going to get a guy who is in the running for six man of the year before he tore his ACL, but he's going to give us more than what we got from him and from that position in general last year. Because before it was Ricky, it was Howell Neto, and he didn't really give the Cavs a lot either. Right. So, I mean, yeah, the roster is complete, but that's a big hole that everybody inside the organization is wondering about right now. I mean, the Cavs have had Hayden at this point, sources tell me, two um, player-driven voluntary off-season workouts as a group. One of them was in Miami, and the other one actually completed Thursday. It was a hidden one. It was in Connecticut. Donovan Mitchell was the one who organized that one. And attendance for that was very, very good in Connecticut, and it was very, very good in Miami. Ricky Rubio wasn't at either one of those. That was not a surprise that he wasn't at either one of those. But, I mean, that is a guy who was supposed to be key member of the rotation who hasn't been around this group at all this offseason, and there's no clarity on when or if he's going to return to this roster. Is he going to be there at media day? Is he going to be there for the start of training camp? Is he going to be there for the start of the preseason? So as we have this conversation about the Cavs and how the depth chart looks, yeah, I mean, there are reasons for them to feel really, really good about the things that they accomplished this past offseason and the holes that they filled in the top eight, nine in this rotation. But the backup point guard spot is a gigantic question mark at this point. And there's no update on Ricky, literally. I mean, just none. none. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard because, you know, like we said, it's a, it's we want his mental health to be great. We want him to be right. you know happy and, and healthy and the Ricky that everybody knows and loves and the Ricky that he wants to be and the happy and healthy Ricky that he wants to be. Um, so you want to respect that privacy, but also you want to know that he's doing OK. You want to know that he's you know, maybe there there is a chance for him to come back. So it's, it's just right. it's a really hard space to be in for both he and the Cavaliers at this point. Yeah, and the other thing way is, harder, way harder for him, by the way. <laughs> no doubt about that. No doubt about that. But from the Cavs' standpoint, the other thing is, 
what version of Ricky Ruby are they going to get? Right. Because, you know, they were kind of banking on him getting some meaningful reps, some meaningful basketball this offseason, playing with the Spanish national team, practicing with the Spanish national team, playing in the World Cup in a highly competitive environment. You saw what that did for Anthony Edwards for Team USA and Shea Gilgis-Alexander for Team Canada and Dylan Brooks. Like, those guys are going to be ready to go when training camp hits, when the regular season hits, because they're going to be coming off playing in those highly competitive games in that kind of environment, and I think they can use it as a springboard. And the Cavs were thinking, okay, that would be an opportunity for Ricky to shake off the rust, to get further removed from the knee injury, and get in better physical shape for what's to come, the start of the regular season. Now you have to wonder, how much basketball is he doing on the side? How much working out is he doing on the side? What kind of shape is he going to be in? What kind of condition is he going to be in? Is he going to um, be ready to go physically and mentally at the start of the regular season? Like being away from basketball for quite a while, when you combine that with what Ricky was trying to come back from with his torn ACL and working his way back into playing shape, that's a lot of missed time from a basketball standpoint. And again, right. he has the right to do that. The Cavs have given him the freedom to do that. But the Cavs have to be sitting there saying, okay, what version of Ricky Rubio are we even going to get here? Is he going to be an option for us to be the backup point guard? It's hard to know those answers. And um, I don't blame them for looking at the situation at this point in time saying who knows what's going to happen with that spot. So I don't know if this would even be, um, well, I guess, I mean, I'll ask it anyway. Um, is there any, any communication between Ricky and the Cavs right now, or is it just kind of they I mean, is it really radio silence from Ricky's side? Look, I would think that there is a level of communication this is such a sensitive topic that nobody yeah. inside the organization wants to tr- touch it, to touch it, yeah, um, wants no, to I share agree. any kind of information about it. Yeah. Um, I think the Cavs are looking at it saying this is on Ricky's terms. I think Ricky's agent is looking at it saying this is on Ricky's terms yep. and, and they want to be respectful of that. And, and I don't blame anybody from everything that I understand, like the conversation about retirement hasn't happened. Um, but but that doesn't mean that it won't happen. That mm-hmm. doesn't mean that Ricky's not considering it or anything along those lines. My understanding of the situation when it did happen is the Cavs were under the impression and people around the NBA um, were under the impression that it was Ricky taking a break from basketball at that point in time, which was getting away from the Spanish national team, which was leaving training camp as well. But with a thought of, he would be back to playing in the NBA at some point this year. But I have no idea how that has transpired. And I have no idea at this point what the level of communication has been between Ricky and the Cavs. But I would think there's enough respect on both sides that there's been some kind of communication. Right. And there has to be some sort of, um, you know, things can definitely change. There's there's no doubt about that. Um, yeah. But. Yeah, I mean the retirement conversation—that's a whole different ball game, and uh, you know, 
Ricky's got to have he I'm, I'm sure he's having some sort of realizations one way or another um, as we go forward here. Yeah, you know, it's interesting um, because when you talk about any kind of sport, deadlines often spur action. And at this point in time, like Ricky has had nothing to come back to. Right. There yeah. has been no reason for him to say, all right, I'm coming back. It's happening. You know what I mean? Like right. the next the next um, landmark date, if you want to call it that, is October 2nd, media day. Yep. But as I and said, he, right. like these these offseason get togethers, they've been completely voluntary and it's not something that was a team organized thing that Ricky had to be a part of or he would have been fined or anything along those lines. You know what I mean? So yeah. like there hasn't been any reason for him to feel like um, that there's a sense of urgency to get back to something. Right. And that, I mean, to be honest, I don't even think media day would be that like. No, my, I mean, the my, first day it, of training camp. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, even then, you know, it's like, okay, Ricky Rubio has been around for a while. I mean, how long does he need to get ready? Right. Right. I don't know. How long does he need to, you know, does he need to play in a bunch of preseason games? You know? Yeah. I mean, or could he wait for, could he, you know, come back in December and, you know, right. get ready then and then be ready for January. So, yeah, I mean. Obviously, yeah. the Cavaliers want him back as soon as they can have him, but um, they also want him to be Ricky and him to be the the yeah. best version of himself in every in every facet of his life. So of his life. So I um, also think Hayden. I also think that Ricky. Again, this is a tricky situation. It's a sensitive subject, and it's it's not like an ACL injury that has a finite timeline or a sprained ankle that has a finite timeline or something close to that. So mm -hmm. it's all about him getting right. And when he feels right coming back, right. But everything that he said last year is that rejoining the team midway through the season when they were on a roll and he was trying to um, get the freedom to work through some things on the court that he needed to coming back from an injury was very problematic for him. So I think if he had his choice, he would want to be with the Cavs back at the start. So he so he didn't feel like last year where he was playing catch up. And if he came back at the very beginning of this year, like he would know his role he would understand his role. He wouldn't be coming into a team midway through the season that was on a roll without him having success without him. And I think he would feel like, and this is just going based on what he said last year, I think he would feel like he would fit better from the very beginning than if he came and rejoined the team midway through the season or in November or December or whenever it would be. Yeah, that makes sense. So again, maybe maybe in his mind, you know, if he's feeling better and he's feeling more himself, then maybe right. he will try to get back as as you know, not take so much time because, like you said, you're right. So it is such a really really difficult situation, and it's hard to it's hard to speculate on anything, you know. And um, again, just the 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 point first and foremost is to want Ricky to be his happiest, his best self. Um, and if basketball comes, it'll come. You know, um, yeah. the Cavaliers do have money to make. They do have games to win. But at the end of the day, you know, it's people's uh, yeah. health. And that's the most important. So 
it'll be it'll be when it happens it'll happen and um until then it's just gonna kind of be a waiting game for the cavaliers but they'll focus in the meantime on everybody else on their roster and uh yeah we will see like i said we will do we'll do a a, a season preview here coming uh in the next couple of weeks i would i would suppose that to be the case chris right i mean hayden beyond that beyond that question i mean you got to feel pretty good about what this lineup looks like and what yeah. this rotation is going to look like, yeah, right? That's what I was saying, right? Like the roster is there. Like you added shooting, you added pieces, you added, you know, you have your starting five, you have your um your main kind of rotation guys. I mean, it's now about, you know, just seeing what those guys can bring you, seeing what um seeing what you can get from, you know, the Max Struces, the George Niang and uh mm-hmm. and let's roll. Cuz the starting five if you look at last year's numbers with the Cavs starting five, the most used starting group um, was Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, Isaac Okoro, Evan Mobley, and Jared Allen. Mm-hmm. Now, that group played about 400 minutes in the regular season. And if you remember, about midway through the year, that's when the Cavs settled on Isaac Okoro and said, okay, didn't work with Karis LeVert. He's better coming off the bench in the six-man role. We went to Lamar Stevens for a little bit. He gave us that toughness. He gave us that voice. He gave us that grittiness. But it's probably not a viable long-term option. So let's go to Isaac Kokoro. And that five-man lineup outscored opponents by 6.9 points per 100 possessions. Pretty good. Um, Right. But that was in the regular season. In the playoffs, it was a different game. And, you know... The Knicks really preyed on the weaknesses of Isaac Okoro. They left him wide open. They left Evan Mobley wide open. They game-planned around those guys, made life hell on Donovan and Darius. But in the regular season, you know, it worked well enough. Their best five-man lineup was actually Karis LeVert at the small forward. So what I'm right. saying is neither Isaac nor Karis brought the Cavs exactly what they wanted from the small forward spot or exactly what they thought they needed to round out that lineup. Max Struess has defensive issues. We get that. Mm-hmm. There are questions about how he's going to play outside the Miami system. Are the Cavs going to use him the same way Miami did? Is he going to buck the trend of players leaving the Miami Heat culture and actually thriving somewhere else? We'll see. But in theory, like Max Struess is the kind of player that the Cavs have been hunting the last couple of years to round out their starting five. Right. So on paper, and again, we got to see it in action, but on paper, that should be the Cavs best lineup, both offensively and defensively. And I think Max Struess, we've talked about this before on the podcast, even though he's not an all-star, I think he has the ability to diversify Cleveland's offense enough and, and, and be such a threat to an opposing defense that is going to have this trickle-down effect that is going to raise the ceiling of the Cavs on the offensive end of the floor. So they're going to go from a situation where they didn't know who their small forward was going to be, they tried multiple different guys, to, in their own mind, they have the piece that completes their starting five. Right. And if that looks the way that the Cavs think it can look, or think it will look, then you know, this offense could really take another step forward. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's plenty of room to grow. There's no doubt. There's plenty, plenty, plenty of room to grow. So 
Um, that's definitely not the question. And, uh, you know, they want to get better offensively for sure. Defensively, I think, like you said, they've been really good and they were one of the best, if not the best team in the NFL or NBA last season. But yeah. um, adding Struess, again, they're, 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 you can't just be the best defensive team in the league and then not be a good offensive team. So right. you have to take a little bit away from that defense and, and add to that offense. I think the NBA is a very offensive league in the, to begin with. So, um, again, a good opportunity for Cleveland to uh, to kind of bolster themselves um, across the board here. Um, and, I, and I think they're ready for that, Hayden. I, I think I think there's an understanding. For the last couple of years, they knew that they were sacrificing on offense by playing – Jared Allen and Evan Mobley together. Yeah. They're not spacers. They're not offensive hubs. It at times restricted the team's offense. And right. then when you added Isaac Okoro in that starting lineup, it further restricted the offense, but they were okay with that because they thought that was their best path forward. And they were okay with that because they were the best defense in the NBA. So they right. knew what they were sacrificing by going that direction. I think they're at a point because they saw all of their flaws exposed in the series against New York. I think they're at a point where they're saying to themselves, look, if we take a slight step back on defense, if we go from like the number one defense to the fifth defense or just outside the top five defense, if that means us getting offensively what we need from Max Struess, we're okay with that. Yeah. And I yep. think that is an interesting philosophical change, but I think their personnel and having somebody like Struess and then somebody like Niang coming off the bench, who's not the same defender as Evan, not the same defender as Jared Allen. Like, I think they're ready to make that level of sacrifice. And I think they need to be ready to make that level of sacrifice because this offense, this offense has to take a different step for this organization to take the next step too. I mean, if you look at the Knicks series, they didn't lose because they're on defense. Yeah, the number one defense in the playoffs. Yeah. And that was giving up as many offensive rebounds as they did. They had the number one defense in the playoffs in a five-game series that they led for 49 total minutes and got pounded on the offensive glass. Yep. They lost because they couldn't score the basketball. Yep. So that being said, again, like we said, and a little bit of offense wouldn't hurt at all. It would definitely help. And a little bit of a step back on defense might not right. hurt much at all either. So, um, all right, Chris, um, anything you want to add um, before we get out of here? No, I don't think so. I think that's about it, man. Yeah. All right. Well, again, the Cavaliers will have media day October 2nd. We'll definitely talk to you before then. We'll do a kind of a season preview podcast hitting all the, you know, all the questions we have about media day and or before mm-hmm. media day and, and talking about, you know, all the things we hit on a little bit today, but maybe even more so we'll hit on next time. Um, as we get ready, the season is almost here. Unbelievably. Um, we are almost in the fall and we are almost into uh, <laughs> basketball time in Northeast Ohio. So I uh, the weather gets a little cooler every day. And um, again, it's going to be basketball time in Northeast Ohio in no time. So Chris, thank you for joining us. Um, I'm glad their audio issues have been fixed for the, uh, <laughs> for the most part, Chris got himself a headset. So we're, who we're knew, who, who knew? knew that's all it would take. Yep. Yeah. I mean, again, technology is technology. We were worried about the Wi-Fi. It was never the Wi-Fi. It was your uh, microphone situation. Yeah. Your internal microphone. Yeah. That's amazing that it took us that long to figure it out. It's kind of sad that it eh. took us that long to figure it out. Well, we thought it was the squirrels and then we thought it was the... <laughs> 
the water <laughs> and then we thought it was yeah it's look man it's been a rough summer it, at, at the fedor household are you kidding me my goodness <laughs> jesus exactly things are falling right. apart here in bay village well now that they're getting put back then now they're getting put back together and yeah. uh just in time for the uh the start of the season so that's good at least all right, everybody, appreciate you joining us. Thank you for listening to the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. Go follow Chris's subtext, $3.99 a month, 14-day free trial. All you have to do is go to cleveland.com slash Cavs, click the blue banner at the top of the page, and add, or add your phone number, and you'll get a 14-day free trial um, of all the news insight analysis sent straight to your phone uh, from Chris before it goes on Twitter or anywhere else. Again, a great idea with the season starting soon with these last-minute things kind of happening. Um, so any news will be sent to your phone first and foremost straight up from Chris. Um, go check it out. Chris's subtext, $3.99 a month, 14-day free trial, cleveland.com slash click slash calves. Click the blue banner at the top of the page, and uh, you'll be sent right there. Otherwise, like I said, uh, media day will be October 2nd, just about three weeks from today. Um, and we will be ready to go. It's going to be exciting. So be on the lookout for the season preview podcast, and then be on the lookout for a bunch of coverage coming up soon, because the season is very much upon us. Um, Again, thanks to Chris for joining us, and uh, we will talk to you soon. Have a great day. Take care.